Good morning. This is Faith Radio 7 past the hour. Could power and privilege make a person less empathic and even more more uh, unethical in some ways? Here to fill us in on the troubling truth, Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. So what exactly is the the so-called power paradox, and how does it change people? You know, it changes them in really in negative ways. This comes from an article in the Harvard Business Review this month, uh, October 2016. The, the article is titled, Managing Yourself, Don't Let Power Corrupt You. So Harvard Business Review is hardly a Christian publication, as you might know. But what they found is that while people uh, usually gain power through traits and actions that advance the interests of others, such as empathy and collaboration and openness and sharing, that kind of thing. What they found is that when these people start to feel powerful or enjoy a position of privilege, that those qualities begin to fade, and instead they engage in rude, selfish, and often unethical behavior. That's what they call the power paradox. Interesting. I We were talking before the break how I've known some individuals in some organizations that I've worked for that were uh, on the peer level. They were my colleagues. And then at some point they were promoted to a much higher position. And several of us noticed that they seemed to be a little less caring, a little less empathic. I wouldn't go so far as to say, you know, they were overly selfish, but we did sort of see a change in, in their behavior over time. And it's going to happen. It happens in a number of settings. It's going to happen in colleges. It'll happen uh, in pro sports teams. We see young people who suddenly have wealth and fame. Uh, they significantly change uh, when they hit the pro uh, sports arena and a variety of other workplaces like, uh, well, for example, churches. No. Or uh, <laughs> corporations. <laughs> Those kinds of things. Um, I, I actually was sitting with a friend of mine uh, who uh, is a PhD and knows a lot of people in powerful places, so to speak. And I actually asked him the question, and I was dead serious with this. In evangelical circles, do you have to be a horse's patoot in order to run a large organization? <laughs> and uh, he actually sat and thought about it for a moment. And he says, you know, I'm, you might be onto something there, Bill. And I don't know what that is, because mm. that isn't what Christ would have us uh, be like when we are put in positions of power and, and sometimes positions of prestige. Well, and there are exceptions, let's say. We, oh, sure. we certainly oh, know sure. that we leaders of Christian organizations that are very humble and yes. have great hearts, and, and uh, but yeah, that's unfortunate. Now, there was a research study conducted on this, this uh, power paradox called the Cookie Monster <laughs> I Study. I like this one. I love the Cookie Monster <laughs> Study. How was the study set up, and what did the researchers find? Well, what they did was they brought people into a lab in groups of three, and they randomly assigned one to a position of leadership and then gave the group a writing task, okay? And about a half hour into their work, they put a plate of freshly baked cookies, one for each member plus a fourth cookie, into the group. And what they found was that uh, – well, what they were really asking was who would take the extra cookie? And almost in every situation, the leader of the group <laughs> took the extra cookie – and they were more likely to eat with their mouths open, lips smacking, and crumbs falling on their clothes. You know what? I've always heard that the way you are with cookies is the way you are with everything. Well, that's how you are at home. Yes. Right. Now, one of the things they didn't mention is that when the after the person was in, there was, me want cookie, you, you listen cookie. to me. I know. 
do what I say. Oh, the my. Cookie Monster. But, you know, but that's not the only uh, uh, research. Uh, another study found that those who drive the least expensive vehicles, Colts, Plymouth Satellites, always seated right of way to pedestrians in a crosswalk. Whereas those who drove BMWs and Mercedes only seated uh, that uh, right of way 54% of the time. Oh, gosh. And they also found that CEOs with MBAs are more likely to engage in self-serving behavior that increases their personal compensation as opposed to CEOs who do not have MBAs. Really? Yeah. Now, you would think that a person that goes through an MBA program would learn (laughs) – <laughs> well, so, if if they go through the Northwestern MBA program, okay. that's it's, true. It's different, yes. But yeah. but the ethics taught in many of the secular MBA programs is like a fish flopping on a deck. There's well, just nothing. There's yeah. nothing there. That, that's, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's all about the bottom line, isn't it? It is. You're, you're ethical if you make money for your shareholders. Um, okay, uh, there are negative behaviors that can actually be observed and and measured. When it comes to how powerful people treat each other, uh, describe a few of those that are seen in in corporate settings, Bill. Well, what studies have shown is that people in positions of corporate power are three times as likely as those in the lower rungs of the ladder to interrupt coworkers, to multitask during meetings. By the way, Bill, put your phone down. I'm talking to you right now, okay? It's a pen. (laughs) Oh, come on now. Uh, They are... um, they're also more likely to raise their voices and say insulting things at the office. No. And the people who have just moved into senior roles they found are particularly vulnerable to losing these uh, or what we call their virtues, their collaboration, sharing, fairness, virtues. Uh, So uh, that is, this is something that happens to people on the way up. It doesn't have to happen to them. And and I, I think that there's, a real good argument to be made that those who walk closely with the Lord don't have to be in this, don't have to get caught in what we call this power paradox. At least that's how the article puts you know, it. I was just thinking about uh, Jesus' disciples, you know, and all the different arguments they had about who's going to be the greatest. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, his uh, really, uh, you know, confronting them on that numerous times and saying, guys, uh, you need to be uh, each other's servants. And uh, then, you know, the whole foot washing thing with and Peter's reaction to it. Uh, really, if you think about it, it's it's a completely upside down view of leadership as uh, compared to the way the world sees it. Well, you know, think about that. That's an actually an excellent uh, observation. Think about being a disciple with Jesus when he was a nobody. And then he starts to gain fame and big crowds and people start to follow. And you realize you're a part of a movement that no one's ever been a part of before. And you're part of history, really. And think of how that would go to your head. I'd, I'd never I'd never seen uh, that passage in this light. And mm-hmm. that's that's a good observation. But it, it didn't go to Jesus's head. It went to his disciples. <laughs> well, yeah, but Jesus was perfect. I yes, mean, of course, obviously it wouldn't go to his head. But, uh-huh. But uh, I would imagine that if you and I had been disciples, we might have been asking the same question. So who's going to sit on his right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. There Bill English has been thinking about that for a few years. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Fifty past the hour. Our guest, <laughs> Bill English from BibleofBusiness.com. We'll take a break and be right back on Faith Radio.
Welcome back. 17 past the hour. You're listening to Faith Radio. Bill Meyer here with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We were talking about how power can go to people's heads, especially uh, if you have an individual in an organization who is promoted and all of a sudden now is in this uh, place of authority. And unfortunately, some behaviors that tend to crop up tend to surface and it's uh, not just in um, Fortune 500 companies. It also happens in the church. Bill. It really does. I've met pastors. You've met pastors who are uh, Joe today. Tomorrow they're Pastor Joe. And in 10 years, they're Dr. Johnson. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you've got to be careful of those kinds of things. Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson. Oh, okay. So um, if an executive's attitude, let's get back to business for a moment, because I know, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks that either are business owners or they're leaders in businesses, or maybe they, they, they work for a company. Uh, if an executive's attitude or behaviors uh, are impacted by this thing called the power paradox, what kind of an impact is that going to have on the company? What are the, the consequences yeah. for the greater organization? Yeah, it, and it's, it's not good. First of all, it will first of all, it will tarnish the reputation of the executive, him or herself, uh, because they will be seen as a different person in power than what they were before they were in power, and uh, that hurts their reputation. Uh, sec- yes, Doctor Johnson. Yes, Doctor Johnson. <laughs> may I have a cookie, Doctor Johnson? So you uh, may not. <laughs> I um, am. I am the leader now, and there's no cookies for you. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Uh, undermining opportunities for influence is another uh, a negative effect because if my reputation is tarnished, then I don't have as much influence within the organization. And that may bleed to the outside of the organization as well. Okay. Now explain that because when you talk about influence, influence is so critical uh, in the corporate setting and in the church setting. Oh, it is. Uh, it is. You're, you're saying the influence is undermined. I'm guessing that you're saying that's because people are going to go – He's kind of a jerk now, and I don't really want to work for him or do the things he wants me to do. Well, when people work for a person like that uh, who has who's caught up in this power paradox, what the research shows is that what the research calls their rigor and their creativity in group settings drags down the team members' engagement and performance. Uh. And so they found that in a recent poll of 800 managers – and employees in 17 different industries, about half the respondents reported uh, being treated rudely at work said that they deliberately decreased their effort or lowered their quality of work Well, you know, you can't blame them. No, you really I can't. I mean, if you're being treated well, like dirt, you know, I, 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 well, from a Christian perspective, we're doing it as under the Lord. But, right, right. But, but if, you, if you're being mistreated by someone, you're not as apt to really work hard and be creative no, when not. someone's putting you down all the time. No, no, you're not. So, And that's why um, coming in as a new leader – uh, I, I think you have to come in with a lot of humility and a lot of, boy, I've got a lot to learn here type attitude. And uh, you cannot come in as as a kind of a, a pulpit-pounding person who is going to straighten everything up just because of my sheer will and my greatness and all that kind of thing. You have to you have to come in with a different attitude. Now, another thing that happens in these settings is stress and anxiety among yeah. the, the workers increases, and that's never good for productivity. Never good for productivity because when stress runs high, the ability to reason runs low. 
when stress runs high, the cycles, your energy cycles and your and your tension cycles are put on the stressor rather than on your day-to-day work activities, and that always drags down productivity. So let's talk about the positive side of this yeah. whole uh, power paradox yeah. thing. What can a person who's just been placed in a new position of power, they've just been promoted to a new executive position, what can they do to guard against this happening to them? So the the HB article here, we're talking about a Harvard Business Review article. It was in the October 2016 magazine here. Uh, the article uh, talks about uh, five things. A need for reflection. Okay, you need some coffee. Man. Yeah, I do. It's you rude. do. Mm-hmm. A need uh, for reflection. And then, and then you practice four things. You practice graciousness. You practice empathy. You practice gratitude. And then you practice generosity. Now, you, you kind of look at those things, reflection, empathy, graciousness, uh, you know, generosity. Those, where do those things really ultimately come from? The fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So for me, from a Christian perspective, I like what the article did here, but the article's not Christian in its orientation. Right. I get that, right? So, so we take what we can out of the article, but really when you stop to think about it, new leaders should be spending more time with God. Uh, making sure that God and uh, perhaps those closest to them are um, really doing a, a, can I call it a a rectal inventory of your life, Mm. Uh, a visceral inventory of your life so that you are not getting into this power paradox piece. And uh, new leaders would be well served to have a coach with them. Someone who can sit with them and kind of speak truth into their lives, but who is objective enough and outside of the situation enough that they can just call uh, a spade what it is, and that's and that's a spade. We have a new. Uh, I, I know of a, a company here in town uh, who's uh, the grandson of the patriarch who started it is going to be taking over this company in the next year. He's already making all kinds of changes. And uh, his arrogance is going to be his greatest downfall. Mm -hmm. I I do think what's fascinating, though, is here we have Harvard Business Review, as you said, a very secular uh, publication, Mm -hmm. a secular university, (laughs) historically a very Christian university way back when. Yeah, way back when in the 1600s. But yeah, but (laughs) by the way, if you walk around the campus, you still see scripture verses around that. Yes, you do. But um, what's interesting to me is we talked before we had a sociologist on earlier this morning about the fact that all truth is God's truth. So here they are saying, what do you do? You practice graciousness, empathy, gratitude, generosity, the very things that God would call us to do. Mm -hmm. They're saying it from a uh, practical uh, perspective. This is how you, you know, keep your company's bottom line, you know, solid. But we can see right here, this is what God would want us to do. It is. And and as you gain a position of prominence, as you gain a position of influence, it's also more visibility to it. More people are looking at your life and they're looking at the subtleties of your life. So how you live is real important uh, in terms of your testimony. So, you know, we're probably not talking to a lot of people in the audience today, but there's some, Bill, within the sound of our voice who are on their way up in the corporate ladder or in the ministry ladder. They really need to make sure that uh, if you're that person, you need to be spending extra time with God and making sure that you're not getting caught in this power paradox. And I would say, as you said before, having a coach, a mentor, uh, perhaps someone who's been down that road before outside the organization, really holding you accountable. So uh, that is great advice. The the article Bill's referring to in Harvard Business Review, the October 
looks like the uh, just most recent. Uh, uh, yeah, 2016. 2016. Yeah. So managing yourself, don't let power corrupt you. Thanks, Bill English. You bet. 